Uh, so good evening from Dubai, uh, good afternoon Europe and good morning America. We are back uh, with you with another uh, session and this time we are talking about demystifying Web3. A very important topic because you know almost every day in our Zoom calls I hear all kinds of crazy definitions about Web3. You know people uh, describe it in different ways, some talk about blockchain, some talk about wallets, uh, some talk about transparency, uh, and, 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 and. So obviously we'll do a deep dive into this topic. We'll bust some of the myths there. Uh, but uh, my definition of Web3 is very simple. I think it's a mindset. It is all the other things, but largely it has to do with mindset. So uh, we'll discuss uh, what I mean by that uh, in a bit. And uh, let's do the introductions first. So my name is Sharad Agarwal. Uh, I'm the CEO of uh, Cybergear. I just uh, changed my title from CEO to Chief Metaverse Officer because I think that's the space I want to be in. And my agency is called Cybergear, Cybergear. And we are enabling brands uh, to get onto the Metaverse bandwagon. So right from strategy, consulting, the actual build, you know, the digital twin stuff, the activation, the community building, almost a full 360 degree holistic experience. So that's my day job. And my passion project is onlywebinars.com. And I'm happy to say this is like our 50th webinar. We started when COVID happened two years back and we are on a journey to, you know, co-create conversations that help uh, educate our community. So we are on a mission. We want all of you in the audience to be up to speed with our panelists. And our panelists are drawn from all over the world. They are coming in today from London, Israel, Germany, New York, Milan, uh, Toronto, and Dubai. So uh, I'm going to uh, allow my panelists to introduce themselves and then we'll get started. I'm going to start with uh, Karen. Karen, can you please introduce yourself to our audience? Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm Karen O'Brien. I'm a C CMO and I've had about 20 years experience working in big tech and entertainment companies in Silicon Valley. I'm currently CMO of a stealth uh, blockchain company and um, very excited to be here. Thank you, Karen. Laura, over to you. Okay, so uh, hi everyone. I am a professor of luxury strategy and international business at Stapacone University in Milan, Italy. Uh, and I have always been kind of diving into this um, world of blockchain and Web3 uh, since 2019. So probably later than everybody else, but uh, very interested to kind of talk about it and um, share my insights. Thank you, Laura. Diana. Hi, so my name is Diana. I'm from uh, Germany and uh, the founder of uh, WomenDAO. This is an onboarding platform and uh, women, um, yeah, all female uh, community and network. So we're bringing together all the women from Web3. And uh, I'm the CEO of uh, Laura Marie Geisler, an NFT funded raising team. So everything about me, you will find it later, but I'm happy to be here and to join this uh, beautiful uh, conversation. Thank you so much, Tanya. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here with great speakers. Uh, thank you, Sharad. I think it's uh, very important for us uh, to talk about uh, web and technology 
Uh, and I am Tanya Zelezniak. I live in uh, Israel. I um, have a background of software engineer for more than 20 years. And uh, last year I finished a, a new MA program about uh, uh, digital strategy and uh, uh, marketing communications. I proceed my uh, uh, study in uh, entrepreneurship and uh, innovation uh, uh, cor uh, courses. Uh, I'm a self-employed consultant on uh, information technology, digital strategy, marketing strategy uh, fields. I also um, built it, uh, a community during my studies uh, um, with the, uh, where speakers are students and they bring their themselves and their uh, topics uh, to the public uh, uh, discussions. And now I'm a head of a, a Israel chapter a, um, of a All Stars Women community, community uh, uh, created by Leila Herstel. So uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Amna. Over to you. Hi, my name is Amna Osman Chaudhary. I'm a founding member of the Oxford Blockchain Foundation and a founding member of BlockClean. Uh, I am a graduate level lecturer with teaching experience in London and Dubai. I am also a financial economist with um, economic research experience with the World Bank and a strategist for uh, blockchain, metaverse, and Web3. I am so honored to be here amongst all these amazing panelists, and I look forward to the conversation today. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Alison? Hello and welcome. I'm also um, really pleased to be here today with a great panel, which I know I'm going to learn lots from. So thanks for bringing us all together, Gerard. Um, I'm Alison Alexander. I've got three decades of experience of leadership in services for people in the UK. But now I'm on that transitioning, I'm on that journey into um, Web3 from one career into the other. And, and I've been recording that journey on LinkedIn. I'm a uh, constant poster on LinkedIn of what I'm learning and how I'm learning. Um, and, and that's been really helpful for me um, and for lots of people I know. So now um, I'm an entrepreneur as well in MetaCampus which is a um, Web3 company um, founded by Perapres, um, and it's about how do we help professionals transition from Web2 into Web3. Simple as that. How do we give them an education and a hands-on experience? And what uh, Sharad said was really important, the, the mindset, the development of the understanding of the new culture that Web3 is about. And that, that's my day job, but also my passion, I spend around helping women have a greater voice in the Web3 area um, from across the world. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you, Alison. Jay? Hi, everyone. Great to meet you all. Great to be with everyone here today. Uh, my name is Jay. I am the founder of the Web3 Podcast Network. I think of myself as an artist and podcast are my medium. I'm also a techie. Technology is my first love. And that's how I got involved with blockchain really early on and sort of followed that blockchain trend through crypto and DeFi and NFTs and really excited to see the space exploding like this now with Web3. So uh, it's great to be here with everyone. I'm excited to share and, and hear from all of the other panelists. 
Thank you, Jay. Uh, indeed, I'm also looking forward to learning from all of you. Uh, so let's uh, start this discussion by defining Web3. And I'm going to go over to Laura, since she is teaching the subject day in, day out, to, uh, you know, to educate us ground up. So Laura, just assume that uh, we don't understand Web3 at all, right? Uh, we, we do understand Web2 because we've been living on it. So what's the big deal about Web3, Laura? So to be honest, I think some people don't even know what Web2 is. People just know it as an internet. Um, uh, basically, Web3 is the new iteration of what the internet is going to be. Um, from, uh, let's just say, a more technical um, perspective, Web3 is basically the internet, but based on the blockchain. So I think uh, Amna will explain a little bit more about what the blockchain is uh, in a little bit. But basically, um, at the moment, when we look at Web2 or the internet as it is today, you see that you have an economy where people are creating uh, a lot of their own content, but a lot of the data is being kept by centralized in the, um, entities. So let's talk about like Meta or Facebook. They are an entity where they are the sole provider of a service. That's the same with Twitter or the same with Instagram, so on and so forth. Web3, however, is the idea that you have the ability to keep your own data and share it um, de depending on the permission that you wish to release it. Um, all of this is, uh, so you yourself is an entity and this is what we call decentralization. So you don't uh, listen or you don't have to adhere to the rules that is given to you by a central um, party, rather you yourself is a centralized party and you then share uh, whatever you wish to share based on uh, the permission that you give uh, to um, other decentralized entities. So. Yeah, so uh, am I right in understanding that the power is shifting from the big corporations to we the people? So this is the belief. Uh, there are still quite a little, a lot of bugs to kind of sort out. I think in the meantime, um, Karen will probably tell you a little bit about how kind of this data storage is going to be done and how it's going to kind of play out in the future. Um, but the main idea is, of course, shifting from a centralized mindset where um, the corporations have the power to an economy where we have the power as people. Right, great. So I'm going to Amna because I am 26 years in the digital space, but don't understand blockchain at all. Amna, please educate us. Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, I guess let's start from the basics. So let's assume all of us panelists and all of uh, the uh, people in the audience and there are people all around the world who have access to a ledger, which is basically a database. So as soon as I enter anything in the ledger, for example, I enter Web3, at the same time, almost instantaneously, it is updated in all of the ledgers around the world, including your ledgers. So this is a special technology called distributed ledger technology. Now, blockchain is a special kind of distributed ledger technology in which data is stored in blocks. So, so you have a block of data, and once it gets filled, it is connected by cryptography, cryptographic hash functions to the previous block of data. 
So each dot of a block of data is connected to the next block of data through cryptographic hash functions, forming basically a chain of blocks of data, hence the name blockchain. And there are so many advantages that blockchain brings uh, into the world, especially for the vision that we have for Web3. You know, the, the term Web3 was initially coined by uh, in 2014, before Ethereum was even launched, the white paper was launched in 2014, but uh, it was uh, coined by Gavin Wood, who was one of the founders, co-founders of Ethereum. And when he spoke about it, he basically said the same that you said, Sharad. Uh, you know, you said that Web3 is a mindset. And he also said that Web3 is basically the vision of a more decentralized, a more democratic, a more uh, a, you know just version of the web so uh, that is it has many advantages as well um you know uh, it is uh, it removes a uh, blockchain removes the middleman from uh, transactions for example if i need to send money to someone you know we have all these financial institutions banks through the use of blockchain you can do it in a secure way peer-to-peer -peer from me to, for example, Laura or Allison, and the transaction costs are cut in half, uh, very minimized, and so is the time. You have a greater transparency because everything can be viewed. Each transaction is there. So this really helps businesses as well who want to adopt block three, uh, blockchain and Web3 because everything is on the blockchain in Web3. So that enhances customer care because you know uh, they know that these this is what happened. So it's very easy. It enhances the vision of governance for businesses and companies. You know it has advantages in supply chain. It has advantages in ownership, and it allows people to monetize their data as well. Great, uh, thank you. I I think I I get what you are saying, and I'm going to go over to Karen. And Karen, my question is. How does one transition from Web 2 to Web 3? And will it, when will it become a reality? Well, I think it's happening now. And um, I think it's happening very fast. Um, having been through Web 1.0 and 2.0, I feel like it's happening faster than some of those previous waves. But um, what's exciting for me about Web 3 is really the promise of ownership and governance over data. I feel like um, you know we're in a place now where, um, similar to what Ama and Laura have said, really um, you're relying on these centralized entities, these huge companies that we really don't know how much data they have on us. And we really, in some cases, don't know that we have given permission for our data to be used. So I think what's very exciting is the future of use of data and you know, basically having a bit more, a lot more control over our own data and use of that data. So if we think about the centralized model versus Web3 where it's going to be decentralized, the storage and use of that data is going to bring about a lot of new models that are very exciting, I think, for both consumers and businesses. So for example, you may get paid in the future for your data. You, can, you might decide who you want to have your data and how it will be used. I think even more exciting is that um, people will get paid to store data. So for example, in a decentralized model, this data is not necessarily sitting in a centralized um, data center somewhere. 
uh, for brand that, that uses it for their own purposes. It may sit with hundreds or thousands of peer-to-peers um, that are being basically paid to store that data. Um, I think also the exciting part is the immutability, the ability for data that we want to have preserved um, to be there forever and that it will be uncensored. And there are some really exciting um, new technologies like our Weave network uh, on which the company that I'm working for is being built where um, they're promising 200 years of permanent storage. And so that's exciting when you want to curate something or save something. Many times I have gone to the internet to find that something that trying to find is now gone, taken down or censored, and that will not be possible in the future. Web3 will preserve um, the data that we want to keep in store. Great, that's very powerful. And I think that's one of the highlights of Web3 and the promise of Web3 really. Uh, also, in my opinion, uh, Web3 is about collaboration. It's about community building. And through my personal experience, I mean, like I keep saying 26 plus years in the digital space, the best people I have met in my life have been in the last six months since I got into uh, you know, this space. And I think Diana has a lot to say about community building because that's what she does for a living. So Diana, share your experience of the importance of community in the Web3 space. Yes, thank you. So I will go and uh, just add some points to what uh, Anna said, what Laura said, and what Karen said. Because um, to understand how this community topic works, you need to understand what we had before. Because especially Web1, it was just about reading and consuming. We were just able to consume things like lexicas or looking up on some web pages. Web2 was reading and and um, creating so we were able to interact and this was the point where we all started to look at our I would say at this time customers but we also tried to to include them as community and now web3 it's all about owning the stuff so you can read you can create create you can interact but you will own this stuff so what we have now is ownership culture. And the beautiful thing about that is when we look back, we had brand building and we had community building and we tried to level it up at the same time. But now it's all about ownership cultures. So your community is your brand and the same way around. So the moment we start creating or um, growing in a community, we need to understand what are the benefits for my brand. So these people are going to interact with me. These people are owning parts of my, of my um, um, brand I built. And then you also have to let go a bit because every person who will join your, your, um, your brand, whatever you built on Web3 will also bring something with them. So what, what we need to to um, Mm, let go on while building this community, while building this ownership culture, while starting to to build these um, strong relationships. It's um, we need to let go of control because what, what we learned in the past, everything need to be under control. So for sure, we have to to figure out some structures, but you have to build a trustful relationship with every person 
who owns your token, who is somehow interacting with you. And um, this is when the magic, sta magic starts to happen. And um, this was also what, what I experienced while building Women Dao. For sure, I had the idea of building this community. I had the idea of building this network and I had a purpose. I, I had, um, I would say probably just the, the idea of what I want to achieve in a few months. But with every person who joined Women Dao, we just, we not just get bigger, we also, our, our purpose transformed somehow. So I experienced women joining this community who just said, so, okay, I'm good at, for example, social media. So I'm going to do all this social media stuff. The other one joined and said, okay, I have a background in stocks. So I will teach you about stocks. And now we have this huge power of knowledge. And um, so what, what I can say to everyone who's building in Web3, just leave behind all the things you learned about structure, about hierarchies, because now you're free and able to, to create with people where you, and this is also the beautiful thing about the power of Web3. We will communicate with wallets, with pseudonyms. We will communicate with um, um, graphic profile pictures. So at least, probably we will not know who's on the other side. And therefore we can break with all the bias. So we can just say, okay, however, it's not important how old you are, which gender, where you come from. The only thing that's important for me is what you bring to my community and how we will grow together. And um, yeah, just to, to be aware of, of giving people the power to own what you built together. So it's not my women DAO, we all are women DAO. It's not my own um, strategy, how to bring us further. It's how we all interact, the people we include, every woman that it's onboarded by another. This is what women DAO is. So we are not just my idea. It's I am at least a part of this beautiful uh, constructor. So, yeah. Thank you, Diana. Uh, love your insights. We are all in it together. And uh, I'm going to go to Tanya because, uh, you know, a very important component of Web3 is education. We need to reach out to as many people as we can in our own ways and uh, bring people together and uh, get them up to speed. So Tanya, I know education is uh, part of, you know, what you do. So please uh, enlighten us on some of your initiatives. Thank you, Sharad. Um, I really think uh, that uh, education is a base uh, for uh, progressing and uh, developing things and understanding where we are going. Uh, I, I would like to refer to the you know, questions, what, uh, what it will do for us as a humanity to use uh, Web3. And in order to understand this, we need to educate ourselves. And it doesn't matter in what age you are. I, I've just uh, uh, restarted to learn uh, in uh, uh, higher education uh, last year. And my kids uh, saw me as a mother learning 
and changing my professional path. And this is the uh, message we want to pass to the younger generations because you can uh, tell a thousand times that education is important, but if you don't implement it and you are not the uh, um, leading this uh, and uh, walk the talk, as you said, so they, they don't see the meaning of this. And uh, with the whole crisis of uh, education system, uh, it is very hard to explain now and uh, especially if uh, uh, you know that uh, there is no um, specific profession you would uh, suggest to them and it will lead them the whole life like it was before, uh, um, uh, they will have to reinvent themselves. And we also, uh, every three, five years, so we are talking about uh, some another skill set which was abandoned on the way um, which leads us actually to the to this uh, new uh, evolution of internet as a software engineer uh, as Laura said I was always new as a internet there was no version for internet so um, why now? Why we need the, to version it now? It's because uh, we see uh, some forces coming together and especially uh, we all understand that we need tools to, to be relevant in the new world when everything is digitalized. And as a um, lecturer in, a, in different uh, um, uh, places and organizations, when I see people in different ages, with different background, they all understand that they need this, but they don't know how to achieve it. So the education now, it's more personalized even. It's not uh, um, like it was a standard uh, syllabus and everybody learn the same things. No. It's personalized to the person, to the group, to the to the organization needs, to the community, as Diana said, to the uh, nation and uh, to the whole uh, uh, global community. Uh, but I would like to um, to say one uh, additional thing, that, which is more important maybe than digital literacy skills, is more ethical and moral issue skills, which we have to take into account when we create something uh, or do something, because Diana said it is for everybody and the impact of this now, it's much more bigger and uh, faster. So uh, to the Nirav's question, where are we gonna be? It depends on us, but technology should be a tool, just yes. a tool to achieve our goals. And this is what we are, should talk about. Yeah, well said, Tanya, uh, well said. And Alison is nodding her head. So Alison, you want to add to that, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, there's so many amazing things that everybody has said. But, um, um, and obviously the last one about ethics as my, I'm not a chief metaverse officer, I'm a chief ethics officer. So, um, but I think on, on all of, I do so much, what Tanya says is important, 
the, the attention to ethics and the understanding of all the issues that can come up. It's, but that comes back to culture. But these are really important topics that are often not taught in the kind of global education system of our children and young people. So we've had to go a long way to get them to teach um, like blockchain. And you might find that in one or two schools, um, especially in the UK. But for me, it's about how we encourage the politicians to really say we've got to radically overhaul our education system. We've got to make sure our education system is teaching people about the future value in the past but looking at the future so that then they learn how to use the tools of of web3 because i think some of the important issues around ethics that we're hearing is that people are saying well how do you use web3 how, how do you ensure that um yes we talked about ownership of data how do you really ensure that and actually have we thought of the issue that it's it's immutable it's going to be there forever and do people understand that so when they put their data in um do they understand what that means and and these are ethical dilemmas for the individual before they jump into and say oh i'm going to put this in my i like to call it my little kind of filing cabinet on the blockchain i'm going to have that there so um and so one of the audience asked about those kind of examples for me the the blockchain is a perfect way where people can store their identity. When we talk about self-sovereign identity, people can put their, their passport to a to degree, but their identity documents so they can move between countries and they always have it at their fingertips. They are in control of that. They can have their education credentials on that chain in that filing cabinet. So if they have to leave their country, if they have to migrate to somewhere new, they don't have to wait for the kind of world of the post or the kind of like getting people to share information. They can have control so they can share their information. But and I think those are really crucial points that we need to help people understand. And, to, and I think we need to get the wider world to understand those real tangible examples so people start saying, oh, this could be really helpful in this way as opposed to at the moment we've got a kind of gen a who are being uh, educated on all things web3 from birth or metaverse at least from birth uh, somebody said that they're born with a phone in their hand i think that's nearly true um, and then you've got gen z who are much more used to it but those who are still making a lot of those decisions but karen also you were talking previously about the young generation are actually leading a lot more now than we've ever had before, which is brilliant. But I think that that's a really important issue. How do we help people understand the tangible gains that they can make in using the tools that everybody's talked about so far? But I'm going to Thank stop you. there at that point. Yeah, thanks, Alison. You've given a lot of examples of uh, you know where people and companies can actually use uh, Web3 and carry their data with them. So if they don't lose it to uh, those platforms. So yeah, that's uh, that's a good takeaway. Now, Jay, you are uh, hosting so many podcasts, right? On a daily basis. And I want to ask you, what are you hearing in the Web3 space that you want to share with all of us? There's a lot going on. Th thanks for the question, Shahad. There's a lot happening. Um in terms of, you know, this space has just allowed for us to be a, a lot more creative 
than maybe we've been able to be before. I know some of the panelists before have spoken about the transition from Web 1 to Web 2 into Web 3. And I think the sort of the defining feature of Web 3, at least from my perspective, is the ability to really take control of your brand and take control of your data and your identity, uh, to own the things that you put onto the internet. And that creates some opportunities to, to think about the world in a different way. Uh, so the stuff that you post to Facebook isn't something that you know, Facebook now has access to and is able to mine and, and take control of that data and use um, to your disadvantage, but rather it would be data that you own and you can control and, and use to your advantage. And that's sort of what happens on the blockchain side. But then if you think about it, maybe from the perspective of the creator, so a creator puts uh, some something creative out, you know, uh, whether it's art or music or, or podcast, and they now have control over that piece of information and they're able to monetize it and share it how they want to share it. So it gives us uh, the ability to rethink how we interact with each other and how we interact with the internet on a daily basis. Great, thank you, Jay. Uh, I'm going to go over to Laura again. Uh, Laura, walk me through, I'm an organization, right? Um, General Motors, for example. I'm in the web to space. What are the steps I need to take typically to get into the web three space? So um, at the moment, I think there is kind of, uh, since this talk is about demystifying web three, I think a lot of people kind of want to jump the gun and want to say that they're Web3 enabled, right? Just by, you know, doing NFTs or signing up for ENS. So if you know, don't know what an ENS is, it's a, an Ethereum naming um, service. And basically it's kind of like your brand.com, kind of like your generalmotors.com. And so people think that once they have that, they're Web3. But that's not necessarily the case. So um, again, firstly, they have to really understand uh, blockchain um, from the very basis. How does it work? How it can basically enable the company? So um, just to give you an example, just because I'm kind of in the luxury space, uh, a good example would be uh, the um, Aura Consortium that was created by uh, LVMH, which is the largest um, luxury group in the world. Um, they basically uh, asked a bunch of different people to join a blockchain consortium. Uh, and currently, um, Cartier-Richemont is in there, uh, Mercedes uh, AMG is in there, um, OTB, which is an Italian fashion brand, is in there, uh, Prada Group with all the different houses are, are part of this consortium. Um, so firstly, they kind of have to have a basis of what blockchain is and how blockchain can kind of enable the business. Um, then next, they have to also kind of understand how does tokenization, token economy, um, and also cryptocurrency can then kind of play into um, their business, either transacting or also creating value or using utilities through um, token economy, um, either by accepting cryptocurrency in transactions or um, making uh, or working with um, some of their vendors uh, um, in a way to have 
this type of token economy in some sort of their value chain. Um, and then also, I think one of the biggest part uh, is the education of um, their consumers. So um, when it comes to education, I'm not talking about just giving them basic knowledge of what Web3 is or what blockchain is, but how do they interact and how do they have that interface from consumer to company. So to give you an example, right now, when we are doing uh, e-commerce, uh, what we do is we go onto a website like Amazon, and then we select an item, and then we purchase the item. And the entire customer journey is relatively simple because everything uh, from going onto amazon.com to pressing, uh, to searching the item that you want, to then uh, pressing the button pay now to then finalizing your transaction with your credit card. All of this is relatively simple because there has been a lot of education involved and there's also a lot of work in the UI and UX space, which is uh, user interface and user experience. Unfortunately, at the time, as of now, we don't really have enough of UI and UX in the Web3 space. So we don't know how to um, do transactions with cryptocurrencies. I think majority of people don't. Um, some people know how to buy cryptocurrencies on exchanges, but at the same time, how do you store it on wallets? How do you make purchases on wallets? How to have your browser enabled with your wallet? All of these things are still very, very foreign to people. Um, and so if you're General Motors and you want to be, uh, let's just say Web3 enabled, you have to have to go through all the steps, right? Um, and once you've gone through all these steps, um, it is then easier to then have um, an economy where people know exactly what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it, and then not come into um, any issues. So, um, just as so, just think about how uh, just think about how you make a purchase on uh, Amazon.com. It should be exactly as simple as that when Web three is completely enabled. Great, uh, thank you, Laura. So let me share my experience, uh, you know, in the metaverse Web3 space. Uh, so I had a meeting with one of the local newspapers here in Dubai. Actually, it was like a board meeting. So the owners and stakeholders of business were there. And I started by asking them a basic question. I said, uh, do you have a metaverse strategy? And they all gave me such a blank stare uh, it almost scared me, literally. I mean, they had no clue. And, uh, you know, they run a newspaper and they've been doing it for 35 plus years. I'm not going to name them because I don't want any trouble. But, you know, I had to start from really the basics ground up. Uh, and in many ways, I think Web3 is going to give a new lifeline to a lot of dying businesses, such as newspapers. When was the last time you actually read a newspaper cover to cover, right? As far as I'm concerned, I get my news on the web from social media. I rarely, you know, uh, pick up a newspaper. And so a lot of organizations, a lot of brands are now going to get a lifeline in the Web3 space by uh, reinventing themselves, reimagining their business models. And I think they must seize this opportunity. And they can pure, you know, truly uh, go global, uh, build large communities, 
and uh, monetize because through NFTs, etc., loyalty programs, it's limited only to your imagination. And just to complete that story, uh, I spoke for one hour in that room and they wouldn't let me go. So I'm looking forward uh, to seeing them again and hopefully they will uh, involve me in drafting their uh, metaverse strategy. So that's a true story happened just last week. And I'm sure it's maybe happening all over the world. Anybody else wants to jump in? I was going, I was going to say, yeah. maybe, maybe they'll share with you some new things. Maybe they'll go off and be learning at the moment. But, but what I wanted to say is I'm here in the US at the moment because um, at a conference on brands in the metaverse, exactly what you just said, to um, how do brands shift from where they are into the metaverse without just seeing it as oh we've just got to write a new it, it's a new cust it's a new client group and we need to just know how to pick up this group it's it's got to have all those elements of what we've all we've all been saying as well is how do we ensure companies understand the ethical issues as well and i'll, I'll give you a, a classic example i was talking with some some women the other day and they were saying in the in some of the metaverse platforms they can only buy certain outfits okay um but those outfits are sometimes like bikinis walking around the metaverse so firstly if anyone's out there wants to build make some new outfits that will be great but secondly what they also said it and so if you if you escalate that up with the issue of invasion of personal space in the metaverse which has also been raised and is being raised as an issue is that company responsible because of the outfit they produced and that person, that avatar was in, and then does that avatar have rights as well? I mean, all of those complicated issues, but it, it is about how do companies really understand the new world and how people want that new world to operate? Because otherwise we could end up with brands taking over those metaverse spaces and giving us what they think we want or they want us to want and that's that's why the community aspect again which Diana was talking about is so crucial that the community is influencing how those brands come in rather than those brands just jumping in and giving us what they think we want or they want us to want. Great thank you uh, I'm uh, throwing this open to the panelists is there any uh, story in this space uh, that you would like to share with our audience. Uh, it could could be something that happened uh, in your life recently. Diana, you want to come in? I would, I would love to come in. Yeah. The thing is, um, always people ask me, so, okay, we need a strategy. We need to figure out. And they're pretty pushy. There's somehow this kind of FOMO. And then I just say to, to the people, now it's beer market. So what we really get right now is the gift of time to make conscious decisions by listening to the people who we want to involve in our strategy. Because I don't think there is just one single person outside who will deliver the perfect strategy. Because this is the first time where you interact and evolve your strategy with the people who will join. And this is a step-by-step -step process. And as we all know, this is the early beginning. So we can imagine somehow a metaverse. And for sure, every one of us sees somehow an utopia, but we still haven't solved our problems here. So what, what we 
keep on doing is reproducing discrimination or sexism or hypersexualization of um, female bodies of um, whatever of how fashion should look like of body shapes types also what we do is the first avatars we saw are avatars with a nice shaped body with long beautiful hair so the, and, and I also experienced when I created my first avatar I thought okay this is somehow my face shape and this is somehow my body shape but everything I've been choosing was a a few steps better than I would look like. And then I figured out, oh my gosh, why do I reproduce the same things as well? Because probably I do not have solved my body issues right here. So I just try to, to make my own way. And maybe we will all meet up in the metaverse with different shapes probably with no human shapes at all because maybe it's not necessary maybe we will be stones or or shining or whatever but we need to to let go of all these things we learned because when we were when we think about an utopian metaverse where everyone is equal then we can't just stand in front of each other with all the mindset, with all the structure we learned and act equally. So um, what, what I wanted just to add on is we do not need a fulfilled strategy because this strategy will evolve the moment we listen to the people with whom we are going to create these spaces. So this is it. No, thank you, Diana. I've also put in the chat some interesting metaverse platforms uh, for our audience to try out. Um, next time, instead of having a Zoom meeting, uh, try youarenowhere.com or mootup.com and uh, your audience will love the immersive experience there. It's quite uh, interesting. You can create avatars or just appear in person. So uh, give it a check. I actually organized a webinar in uh, you are nowhere.com and it was an interesting experience. All right. So, um, yeah, it, uh, it's still open. Anybody wants to come in? Yeah, Jay, your hand is up and then I'll come to Laura. Yeah, sure. I, I just wanted to jump in on what uh, Diana was saying just now. I, I think it was pretty cool um, in terms of her perspective on, you know, the, the way that the avatars look. Well, one thing that I, I noticed is back when we did the Metaverse Fashion Week, which was maybe a few months ago. Uh, one of the features of Metaverse Fashion Week was that the models, a lot of them didn't actually look like human beings. They were actually felines on the catwalk. So, so human-shaped cats, and they had feline faces and feline features, but they were sort of walking upright. And I think that's one of the things that's going to happen, that's eventually going to play out in the Metaverse especially as we get in a younger generation that isn't necessarily, um, that hasn't been conditioned in the same way that our generations have been conditioned. And so they're able to think of themselves and think of their bodies, um, at least in the metaverse space, as separate and apart from the way that they physically look. And you sort of see that playing out a bit in the NFT space as well. Uh, so avatars don't necessarily look like people, they look like animals and they look really futuristic. Um, so eventually 
I think that all sort of changes and, and it's just about sort of like giving those persons who have those ideas and that level of creativity, the space and the time to, to get to that place. But I'll, I'll let Laura jump in as well. Yeah, Laura, over to you. Okay, sorry. So uh, yeah, just going back to kind of uh, a segue away from Web3 um, uh, and more into the metaverse space, I think that uh, over the last few days or so, uh, Meta, or formerly known as Facebook, has been kind of introducing a few little things to kind of help with the building of avatars. Um, and again, it is this thing that I find very strange because the whole idea of being in the metaverse is being uh, an, uh, or, or creating an avatar is creating an alter ego. It's not supposed to be you exactly because in the metaverse, you have the freedom to be whatever you want to be and whomever you want to be. And so I think the idea of what... Um, meta has kind of forced you into is creating a likeness of your face there are other metaverse platforms like zepito which is a korean um, social media platform where you can take a snapshot of your face and they'll create a likeness to you uh, there's another metaverse based uh, avatar creator called ready player me exactly the same so they're really trying to kind of recreate um, your physical self uh, on the metaverse, but I find this to be very, very um, contradictory because this is not the whole idea of metaverse, right? Um, and if we go back in time, I think that we can take a look at The Sims as a very good example of what the metaverse should be because The Sims, you can be an alien, you can be a vampire, you can be a plant person, um, and also the, the different um, uh, adjustments of your body shape. So Diana talked about like, you know, she had some body conscious issues but on on the sims you can get fat over time if you don't exercise and, and so i think a lot of that um plays into what the metaverse could be or should be um rather than what uh, facebook or meta is trying to force down our throats so i think um again there is a lot of misconceptions of what the metaverse is and what the metaverse could be and i think that people should also have a good understanding of uh metaverse can offer in the future where you can be whoever you want to be and whatever you want to be be it a, a cat a dog or even an alien for example thank you laura laura you have a question by the way in the chat somebody wants uh, to get some information from you let's go to tanya and then amna i i think uh, we touched some pain point with the avatars i uh, think which brought up by diana and I would like to uh, refer it because um, uh, uh, it really bothers people. Uh, the first uh, step uh, to to enter this space is how would I uh, how do I see myself in the virtual space when I I don't know myself self in physical space. And it starts really uh, in small steps when I talk about a LinkedIn profile with people. And I, I say to them, let's put the background behind you. What is your background? And this is really hard step for people to, uh, to formalize this. What is my background? So this is really issue, how we see ourselves 
in physical space and digital space and maybe with the tools we'll have we'll um, we'll have this ability to formalize it and i saw it uh, um, as a process uh, which i did by myself in a gaming course which i had uh, during the studies when the first task was to create avatar for ourselves and there's two ways to create avatar as i see myself in the real life or some uh, uh, imaginary uh, avatar and um, uh, there is a reason for that uh, which was the research uh, uh, research uh, uh, and um, uh, if someone wants to uh, know about it more i, I will send uh, some links about it but what was uh, really interesting that um, the lecturers said that we can evolve our children in this course. They can participate with us, with their parents. And uh, besides that, uh, between me and my son, there were some real, uh, some uh, topics we, we could talk about, which uh, were never before and could understand each other in, in other ways. Uh, he, described how he, see him, how he sees himself. And it was different than he looks like in, in real life. And me was exactly how I see myself. So uh, when uh, at this time he had a trouble in uh, Zoom classes and he was really depressed by uh, this loneliness, I suggested him to put avatar on the Zoom class. And we asked the teacher and he said, all right. And at the moment children saw him as an avatar, there was a big explosion about what is it? How do I do that? And there was so much more engagement in the classroom. And uh, then it was really uh, amazing. So if we combine the right tools in the right time, in the right way, we can uh, see the process and gain some things we didn't imagine before. And this is the magic of these things, I, I think. Yeah, thank you, Tanya, for sharing those in insights. It's a very interesting topic. And on one of our past webinars, we had Sammy Tober from Australia come in as an avatar throughout the uh, discussion and uh, she got all the attention. Uh, she stole the show. So yeah, avatars work both ways, I guess. Amna, uh, you have your hand up. Yes, so I just wanted to, uh, you know, Laura and Tanya already touched a lot of points that I wanted to uh, bring up. Uh, Tanya just made a really nice use case of education. I think Web3 also has the use case of, you know, learn to earn models. But, but the, the reason that I raised my hand was uh, regarding avatar representation. So I believe that in uh, the, a true representation of an avatar should be able to exist in the vision of Web3 that we see, whether it is something imaginative, whether I want to go in the metaverse with pink hair and purple skin, or I want to go exactly as I am. So all body types should be there and uh, all these uh, different uh, representations should be uh, consciously worked upon. 
the second thing I wanted to touch was because you were mentioning brands entering the metaverse and the the topic of avatars. I think there's a huge opportunity for brands to uh, build a community around and lead by example. So uh, recently, a few weeks back, we look at the example of a beauty brand called Clinique. And Clinique entered the metaverse space with an ad in the metaverse. And it was an ad that celebrated diversity and inclusion of women in all skin colors, all shapes and sizes. And I think that is an example that brands should look into. And I encourage you people to look into this uh, ad for an example, because I, I was teaching a class on Monday on the metaverse and I wanted to show the students uh, this ad, but I could not find it on YouTube. So maybe it's not uploaded on YouTube yet, but you can go on uh, LinkedIn and search Kathy Hackle. So this, uh, uh, this ad was done with uh, the company Journey and, ha and uh, Days 3D. And it is an example of how brands should lead the way when it comes to, you know, entering the metaverse and focusing on representation, inclusion and diversity. Thank you, Amna. And uh, Karen, you are nodding your head. I think you know a thing or two about uh, Kathy Heckel, right? Karen? Yeah, I've, I met Kathy years ago and I've watched her evolution through AR, VR and now she has the uh, given the title of godmother of the metaverse, and I think it's well-deserved. She's one of the most prolific, um, I would say, authors in the space. She actually just put out a book. Uh, but she is enabling and, and advising a lot of major brands and industries on how to think about entering the metaverse. I do think the, um, the questions of ethics and the questions of how to, how to do business in a way that is as seamless as some great user experiences that have been mentioned are. So I think just, you know, brands that are not clear about how to do that should step back and listen um, and really be thoughtful about how they enter the metaverse and how they use Web3. Absolutely. And I think uh, the onus is on all of us, you know, to be educating our communities. And, um, you know, uh, Kathy, of course, is. Uh, somebody I really look up to. I'm still trying to get her to accept my connection request. Uh, I hope one day she will. And um, as most of you know, I'm quite active on uh, LinkedIn, almost on a daily basis. And want to share this little incident that happened a couple of weeks back. So one of my very close buddies calls me up and says, uh, hey, Sharad, how's it going? Is everything okay? I said, yeah, damn good. And why do you ask? He says, I didn't see you yesterday on LinkedIn. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's like a compliment because I guess uh, I am getting a lot of traction by what I'm putting out there. And yeah, so um, a part of our job as leaders in the space, and by leaders, I mean uh, just the fact that we are already into the space makes us leaders, because I know a lot of people who are just waiting, uh, you know, for the right time to jump onto this bandwagon, but uh, that's a choice brands need to make. And it's a very simple choice. Either you be a leader or you be a follower and it's your call. So I leave it at that. And uh, now we are almost 60 minutes uh, into this conversation. I'm not going to wrap it up right away because this is so interesting. Um, there are two things I want to do now. One, I want to talk about inclusivity in Web3 because I think that touches all of us. I want uh, to also talk about women empowerment 
and what we can do to make a difference in our in our lives. And then I'll give one or two minutes to each one of my panelists to just wrap it up from their point of view with their takeaways. Uh, so let's talk about inclusivity. And I'm going to, who should I go to? In, anybody wants to raise their hand on who wants to go first? Okay, Amna, Amna and then Alison. What right. does inclusivity mean to you and what can we do? Uh, practical steps, please. Right. So there are a lot of practical steps that we can take and inclusivity basically means representation and uh, and in everyone being included, regardless of their gender, regardless of their social status, regardless of their, uh, you know, race. So, uh, you know, uh, one uh, thing that I specifically focus on is uh, especially which I'm very vocal on my LinkedIn as well and passionate about is specifically uh, women inclusivity. So I think I will discuss that more because I uh, talk about it a lot. So I am uh, very well aware of those issues. So there are 3.5, almost 3.5 billion women on the planet. And there was a report done by, uh, by the United Nations Development Program. Uh, their genders, gender social norms index stated that 90% of men and women hold some sort of bias against women. So that is a huge number, 90% of women and men, both of us. And uh, the, the, the actual study shows, the recent studies show, there have been so many studies done that this is entirely misplaced. There was a study done by the International Labor Organization that actually having more gender diverse policies increased business outcomes by 20% and increased profit and productivity by 63% in companies. So these are not small numbers. There was a study done by the UK government which said that uh, women representation in companies is positively correlated with companies' performance. There was a, a study done by McKinsey that having women managers was more preferred by employees. And uh, you know, I by no means this is anything against men. Uh, you know, there are so many smart men out there that I respect and who are very capable. It is just that there is so much, um, you know, difference. Uh, there was a study uh, uh, published in uh, Time magazine in 2019 that showed that there only uh, for crypto and blockchain specifically, only four to six percent is the represent representation of women. And this is something that needs to be raised and it needs to be consciously raised. And, uh, you know, I applaud Sharad for always bringing this topic up. And it is a topic that needs to be um, focused upon. I will say that we, because of all this, uh, I think, focus on Web3, we are moving, we've got momentum going in the right direction. Um, uh, BlockFi, you know, in 2022, they released a report which said that in 2019, the representation of women in crypto was 7%. By 2021, it was doubled to 15%. And by 2022, it is now 24%. So that means that we have got momentum moving and we need to keep this momentum going by raising this conversation. Thank you, Anna. On our panel, women are 80% plus as representation so we are on the right track Alison you want to add I, well I wanted to say I agree with everything that Emma just said so I don't want to repeat that but what I do want to say is that we've got all those reports we know 50% of the population is women 
but we still haven't got that 50 50 percent so thinking about some tangibles some tangibles are all those people who are in positions of power in decisions who are on boards who are in recruitment then it's about them actually saying we're going to take some intentional action to get more women here we're going to take some intentional action to stand down half of our boards who are all men and bring in more women we're going to take some intentional action so i just wanted to add that point but i just wanted to say two other bits about inclusivity one i think we still have over 50 percent of the world isn't connected to any form of the internet yeah so if we're going to talk about inclusivity i think we need all governments to say actually this is a human right the same as heating lighting food it's like the maslow hierarchy of need people need to be connected because that is where life is happening yep. so we need to start really pursuing that and i think the last thing i just want to add on top of that is this is an era really where we can really address the imbalance that often happens between children, young people, and adults. Children and young people are at the forefront. They understand this world so much better. And I think this is a real opportunity for us, as Tanya talked about, learning from children, having those discussions. I think it can really change that balance that often happens um, and that we can all gain from. Yeah, thank you, Alison. Uh, Karen, did you want to add something? Personally, I'd love to see more women get involved in the creative space in Web3. Um, today, less than 3% um, of creative directors in advertising agencies are women. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for women to really lead in this space and for us to have a lot more inclusivity. And I think it would also um, have an impact on the way we see uh, people portrayed in this space. Yeah, and I also want uh, to read out a comment from Judith, who's in the audience. And she says she has a 16-year-old daughter who's attending the webinar with her. Um, I know Judith personally, and I applaud you, Judith. That's the way to go. And uh, my mentor is uh, somebody called Lela Herstel. Uh, she's just 20 years old, and she runs All Stars Women. And she wants to grow it to a 10,000 strong uh, women uh, powered, uh, empowered community. So I'm working with her closely to make it a reality. Uh, so now, uh, <clears throat> friends, uh, time for us to be closing. We'll go around the room, uh, one minute uh, closing remarks, starting with Diana because she has to leave. Uh, so Diana, one minute closing remarks, your takeaways from today. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, this uh, was really a diverse panel. Um, I appreciate it full, to the fullest. Um, I, I would say what, what we should all have our, our point of view on is, um, first of all, education, and secondly, inclusion and diversity, because this will create a space where we all want to, to be, where we all want to, to spend our time with. And um, probably the third thing, do not stress. There's no need for formal. Be conscious with every decision you take. So thank, thank you. you so much. That, that's sweet. Laura, your closing remarks, please. Yep. So just kind of tailing into what Diana has talked about, I think that 
everyone is kind of trying to jump into this space and taking advantage of kind of being um, the innovator in the space. Um, and it's, it's correct. Like what Karen mentioned, sometimes if you're not quite sure, it's better to kind of sit back and learn um, and understand firstly, how are you going to tackle this uh, new technology? How are you going to prepare yourself to be enabled, uh, do the right thing? Because it can be very costly if you do something really quickly just so that you can kind of catch on to the trend. Um, I think that if you don't have a big budget like companies uh, like Gucci, for example, which is probably the most, uh, uh, the, the companies that's championing Web3 the most, then probably better to just stay out for a while. It's still early days, just to let you know. Um, I guess uh, really the term Web3 has come across in, I think uh, Amna has mentioned like in 2014, um, but at the end of the day, like not many people are talking about it. We are probably one of the very first people to talk about it. And I'm super happy that Sharad has really invited so many women in this space. And it's really important to kind of um, build this sisterhood and kind of, you know, um, encourage more and more women to um, speak out or have the space to speak. So um, this has just been a wonderful experience. Thank you, Laura. Let's go to Tanya. I think that this is great session uh, uh, to hear uh, everybody's uh, think about, about it. Uh, uh, during the process, we all have our uh, uh, past experiences uh, and backgrounds. And still, what is uh, really interesting about uh, this and now, uh, for me, uh, for being uh, for a long time in high-tech industry, it, it is the first time I'm really excited about uh, what is going to be. And uh, it is never too late. Now is the time uh, to start, uh, learn, and uh, create. Uh, and you can start wherever you want. You don't need uh, anyone's approval or uh, uh, um, some degree or uh, to be a professor or a data scientist. We just start step by step and you have communities which support you and these dis discussions like this. And I think the key is uh, doing this together with our families, with our children, with our uh, colleagues, and uh, there is no boundaries. We see around the world people. Thank you and good luck. Thank you, Tanya, Alison, Amna, and then Jay. Perfect, thank you. So I'm gonna say education, education, education is what everyone has said that's so crucial, but about not the technical, but about the cultural revolution that we're trying to establish which leads to the next point about communities. We talk about community empowerment, that will only happen with, I think uh, Susan said, active listening being the words that we were talking about. Active listening, know our communities and therefore really have them own in the space. And then finally, just to end to say, as, as Tanya just said, everyone, Laura, everyone has said, this is new still. We all think Web3 is old news because we've been talking about it for ages, but there is like 
zero percent of the population talking about it really if you calculate everybody together it's near enough still zero and think of everyone on the panel and everyone in the audience as edge walkers i love that what i learned on your one of your podcasts um, by susan and i use it all the time we are all like taking risks we're building bridges between web two to web three um so so important yeah and so i really do want to do to encourage them to keep taking risks build bridges and therefore we will break new ground and secure that concept of a, a free and owned by the community web3 thank you alison uh, great uh, closing remarks amna and then jay please right so just to sum up you know for everyone so in uh, 1990 the first server web service was published by tim berners lee which created the world wide web and that was web1 so that basically gave people, uh, consumers only the choice, uh, people only the choice to consume. So web one, you could only consume. For web two, which is mostly the version we see today, users can consume data and generate data through social media. There's a lot of other uh, varieties. So we have the option in web two to uh, consume and to uh, generate data. So what web three offers is to consume data to generate data and to monetize data. So it gives power back to the people. And uh, as a closing remark, you know, uh, I'm a huge fan of philosophy. So I will share this quote by Aristotle, who said in order uh, for the things we have to learn by doing them, uh, learn uh, for the things we have to learn before we do them, we learn by doing them. So I would suggest don't wait for a perfect time, just start doing it. The simplest step would be either create a crypto wallet. You do not need to buy cryptocurrency. You can go set up a MetaMask wallet. They have easy instructions on their website. Or an easier, even easier way would be to go check out a metaverse. There is a huge misconception that in order to enter the metaverse, you need AR glasses or some uh, VR headset or something special. There are so many metaverses that you can just enter through your desktop. So when the call finishes, maybe you can go check out um, spatial.io, which I am uh, not associated with, but it is very user friendly. You can access it through the desktop and uh, just start because the first step is, uh, you know, the hardest and then it gets the momentum rolling. Thank you so much, everyone. It was uh, an honor being here with such amazing panelists. Thank you. And Jay has the last one. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure if we, we missed Karen. So if we did, we, we may need to go back there. But uh, right, yeah, just, we'll go back to Karen. Uh, my apologies. Yeah. No, all, all good. <clears throat> the, the last thing I'd let everyone know is just something that I heard recently uh, that I sort of did some research on recently. So the, the first commercial airline flights were in the 1920s. Then by the 1960s, we had landed on the moon. So 40 years from, from, from first flights, to putting a man on the moon. I'd say we're very much in the 1920s stages of Web3. Uh, so for people in the audience, I know there's a 16 year old in our audience, anyone who intends to still be around 40 years from now, this is you know some technology that you should probably be checking out. So I, I encourage you to go ahead and, and follow everyone here on, on LinkedIn, and, you know, um, find some, some influencers who are talking about this stuff, listen to some podcasts, we read some books and definitely attend a few more of uh, Sherrod's webinars uh, so we can get all of that information.
Thank you for that plug, Jay. I appreciate that. Karen, you get two minutes instead of one because I almost missed you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I would just say that, you know, what I hear frequently from people is, you know, I, I'm not a developer or I've never bought crypto or I don't think I could learn Web3. I'm so behind. The reality is like all of our speakers have said, this is just the beginning, the very early stages. And there's something for everyone with Web3, no matter what you're interested in, no matter what your skill sets are, all skill sets are needed. So if you're in HR, there's, there's HR people needed in Web3. If you're a teacher, there's teachers needed in Web3. If you're a marketer, doesn't matter what skills you bring to the table, just bring your real self and be willing to learn and be open um, to learning a new way of thinking about the internet and experiences. And uh, all, all people are welcome. And I think to your point, Shrod, I've never met communities of people that are more helpful when questions get asked. So I think that everyone should feel comfortable. I really love that um, one of our participants um, brought their daughter. Uh, I think more of that is needed. I personally have learned a lot uh, in the early days uh, about marketing with gaming with my son. And so I think you know anything that you can do to sort of learn from different generations and different kinds of skill sets, the more rich you're going to have experiences in Web3. So I'm personally excited and thank you so much for inviting me to the conversation and fantastic Absolutely. with you guys. Absolutely. And it's time for me to say thank yous. A lot of thank yous to each member of our audience who invested their precious 75 minutes with us. I appreciate your time and your interest in this subject. I want to individually thank all my panelists for their active participation. Love you guys, uh, stay in touch, be good. And I want to end on this note. My mama always says, Sharad, never be the smartest guy in the room. And I want to say, mama, I'm trying to do that. Thank you and bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>